This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman, and it's time for your weekly wrap-up. Happy New Year's to all of you. It is New Year's Day here in uh, my neck of the woods, as I'm sure it is in yours as well. And I want to begin first by thanking our newest members and supporters of the channel. We're going to start off with our tip jar supporters and Hubert Banis donated via the tip jar. We also had some new members this week who are making monthly contributions to the show, both through my donor box page and through Patreon. We have Alexandru Stanisou, John Kaiser, Ar- Araldo de Leon, Martin Kuhn, Jim Kirk, and Dustin, who have all gave via the monthly contribution options, again, via the donor box page or on Patreon. I want to thank everyone for their support of the channel, as well as everyone who watches on a regular basis, too, because all of those things combined equal channel growth. Now, we don't have a sponsor this week, but I've got a non-ad, an affiliate link for Blue Apron once again. Uh, This is a service that every week delivers to you some uh, new recipes along with all of the fresh ingredients to make that recipe for dinner. And we've been using this now just about from the time that I started doing this full time because I had more time to prepare meals at the end of the day. Uh, So I've really been enjoying cooking for my family after a, a hard day of work down here in the basement. This is some stuff that I've got coming up. I do three meals a week, and uh, you have a choice of eight different things to choose from. I think the maximum they'll deliver to you is like five or six meals per week. Uh, So I chose the crispy chicken and Italian tomato sauce, the za'atar spiced beef pitas, and the Tuscan spiced chicken and fergola salad. And what will happen is every week a box shows up. It's got all the ingredients, and you do have to chop up the vegetables and stuff. So there is a bit of prep time involved with this, but uh, generally I've been able to Uh, get the three meals prepared each week. We do like an every other day thing or whatever the schedule uh, allows for. You can skip meals, which is what I'm doing next week because I'm going to CES. So I just decided not to get next week's shipment at all. Unfortunately, it is an opt out once you subscribe to the service for each week's meal delivery and they'll automatically choose for you. So what I do usually once a week is just pop into the app and uh, make sure I like what they're sending me or uh, skip it all together. So Blue Apron, you get three free meals if you try it today with the link down below. So let's take a look now at the week in review on the Extras channel. I unboxed a whole bunch of stuff, and you might like the one on top because I bought a new Blu-ray burner the other day so that I could write uh, to larger size discs. So uh, my last Blu-ray burner would max out, I think, at 50 gigabytes. Uh, this new drive can support 100 gigabyte discs. And I also picked up a box of M discs, which are uh, these new discs that uh, supposedly last a lot longer than the traditional uh, blank DVDs and Blu-rays that you might have bought in the past. So I talk about all that technology in that video. Uh, one thing I would like to do at some point is start archiving my new 4K movies, which is not possible at the moment due to some of the encryption stuff stuff on them, but uh, you never know. I was able to at least get those discs to read on that drive, so I think I've got some hope there. I also unboxed a Nest Pie case for the Raspberry Pi. I may get to that at some point in the next couple weeks. Uh, we also unboxed a, a computer that we'll be reviewing this week on the channel, the Lenovo Idea Center 520 All-in-One, and I did a short video on how to use Chromebooks with your brother printers. 
on the main channel. We did three videos this week. The first one up there was a uh, unboxing of my 4K Blu-ray player and movies, and a lot of you like that, so I might do some more of these quick casual pieces because they are obviously a lot easier for me to make than a full-on review, and a lot of you seem to have enjoyed that, and I got a lot of great feedback, too, in that video for things to think about for future videos, so I want to thank everyone for uh, watching that and giving me some good feedback. I also reviewed that Brother Printer. These are reviews that do really well for my channel over time. In fact, printer reviews, uh, when you look at the long tail of the, the life of these, uh, tend to get more views than anything else I do here on the channel, believe it or not. So not all that interesting to subscribers, but I think it does work down the road for search traffic. So I do like to review printers. And we hadn't looked at a Brother Printer yet, so that was uh, good to check out some different brands. And then I also did a sponsored post on the Norton Core uh, involving a way to uh, segment portions of your network from each other. And I demonstrated really how you can set up three different routers and uh, segment your, your devices from each other. So your IoT devices, if they get infected, won't uh, screw up your computers, for example. Or maybe you want to take your kids and put them on their own network. And uh, there are ways to do this with more enterprise-level gear that's a little more complicated to set up and costs more. Uh, but if you've got three routers laying around the house that have at least some firmware updates to them, uh, you can do what you do here just by uh, wiring them up. And you've got a segmented network that can really bring a lot of security to the mix. And, of course, we integrated the Norton Core router in that, but you could really do it with anything. So if you're interested in segmenting your network to pr protect yourself from your kids, for example, uh, you can do that with this video, and I think you might find it pretty useful. So let me know what you thought of that. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week number 43 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And I don't travel all that much for this job, but I will be next week. We're going to CES in Las Vegas for a couple of days, and uh, what I'll be doing there is looking for the hidden gems to uh, quote one of my favorite channels, Metal Jesus Rocks. He's always looking for the, the hidden gems of retro gaming. We're going to look for the hidden gems of uh, this show. And we're going to spend a lot of time at the show uh, in a portion of the convention that is dedicated to startups, where we find uh, all these quirky little things that might become the next big thing or not, but we'll be out there uh, looking for it. My plan is to post a dispatch every day that I'm there uh, with kind of a maybe a 10 or 15 minute look at all the cool stuff that we encountered throughout the show. But I'll also be taking those uh, long form dispatches and breaking them up into individual segments that will appear on the uh, Snippets channel. So if you want quicker bites, you can go to the Snippets channel. But if you want to sit down and just watch what my day was like, uh, you can find it on this one. So I'm looking forward to that. We're going to be busy because we're going to be running around all day, uh, then going back and editing everything in the evenings. Not a lot of time to have any fun, but uh, this is work. So we're going to uh, have a good time out there, and I'm looking forward to sharing the experience with all of you. And I also wanted to talk briefly about the latest sponsored video because I know Norton is a uh, controversial company with a lot of people, especially those of us who are tech savvy. I certainly have not been using uh, Norton antivirus on my computers for a very long period of time just based on uh, how they tend to be a little bloated in their software implementation. But uh, this is something that I do like, which is the router, which is why I decided to accept the sponsorship when it was offered to me. And uh, the reason why I like this router is not because I would use it myself, but I do see there being a lot of value there for consumers that 
are not very, uh, you know, literate about uh, network security practices that I think this thing fills in some gaps for, especially if you've got uh, family members that just click on everything they see and end up infecting their computers with ransomware or malware. I do think this router will do a better job than any other router at the moment in uh, protecting those people, which is why I think this is something that uh, does have some value in the marketplace. Yes, it's a little more expensive perhaps than some other routers that do more. Yes, it has a monthly fee after the first year, but again, all of those things I think are not really well suited for tech techies like you and me, but uh, definitely might be better suited for people like my mom who uh, doesn't have a lot of literacy in keeping her computer safe that I think this thing will fill in the gaps for. So you all may disagree, but again, I, I just want you to know that I don't take sponsorships for products that I don't think have some value to consumers, and I do believe this one does. I have turned down many other offers over the years uh, for things that had no value to anybody, but uh, this one, again, I think has a limited audience, at least for the people that watch this channel, but uh, something that I do think will provide some value to consumers. And now it's time to move on to some news. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this might be happening, and now it looks like it is happening. Uh, in China, the NVIDIA Shield will get officially licensed Nintendo games available for it. Uh, this is kind of like the first big uh, licensing deal for a home console uh, since the ColecoVision, which came back in with Donkey Kong way back in the day. That was before Nintendo made their own hardware. But uh, now it looks like in China, due to some crazy regulations involving game consoles, that uh, the Shield will get a bunch of Wii and GameCube games. And I think this is significant for the rest of the world uh, because the uh, Switch is actually the same guts as the NVIDIA Shield. They run on the same exact system on a chip, so it wouldn't be a heavy lift for Nintendo uh, to use whatever development efforts went into this project to uh, move these games over to the Switch in the coming year. I'm really eager to see that because there's a bunch of Wii and GameCube games I've never played that I'd like to play, perhaps portable, on my Switch, and this is going to be, hopefully, a great thing for everyone else. And these games now are available in China. There's a trailer here running on this uh, link that I've got here on page. So if you want to see what those games look like, uh, you can head over to that link and get more information from Nintendo today. Now, this next story is another follow-up to something we've talked about before, which is Apple slowing down their older phones as their batteries age. Uh, Apple did this, they say, because as these batteries get older, they can't handle some of the spikes in power uh, demand that the processors might require. So they decided to make the processors run slower uh, in order to prevent those unexpected shutdowns that might happen if the battery was unable to meet demand. And uh, that, of course, uh, created an uproar. And I was really uh, kind of not happy with the way Apple handled that situation. And they've done a couple things this week that I think are going to make this problem uh, less of a problem. And uh, they do have now 12 class action suits against them the last time I checked. So it's amazing how fast the lawyers get on this stuff. But uh, here are the two main points out of what Apple is going to do. Uh, the first is that if you have an iPhone 6 or later, uh, for the next year, battery replacements are only going to cost $29. That includes the labor to repair the battery in the phone. And if you have an iPhone uh, that's about a year old or will be a year old, do this because you can't go wrong with this and it will certainly extend the life of your phone beyond uh, what that battery's lifespan is. Remember last week we talked about uh, charging cycles on your battery. The iPhone batteries are rated for about 500 full charge and discharge cycles before they uh, begin to show their age. And sometimes those cycles uh, may be less and it might start showing its age earlier than that. And if you've got a phone that's a year old and it's $29 to fix it after a year or so, I would take it in. This deal is going to run through December of 2018. So all of this year, 
uh, you can get your phone battery replaced. And I plan on uh, later this year getting my uh, old iPhone 6S, which is my spare phone, as well as my old iPhone 7 Plus that my wife is using now. I'm going to bring both in and get those batteries upgraded probably in the next six months or so because I use the crap out of my phones and I am always uh, charging and discharging. So definitely take advantage of this deal. I think it is a good deal. Uh, the other thing here is that Apple will be providing some insight for users about the health of the battery uh, so that you do have choice as a consumer as to whether or not you need a new phone or uh, if maybe a less expensive battery replacement might uh, do something better for you. And I'm glad they added this in. This was one of the things that I brought up last week about what Apple should be doing. I'm not suggesting that they listen to me, but I think it just makes sense to have some common sense here about uh, the life of your battery in your phone. So that was really a nice gesture there. So we'll see if that feature gets implemented soon. And when it does, we'll take a look at it. But I wanted to show you two other things related to this because on the Mac, and I'll show you a Windows example in a minute too, uh, you can go into your Mac and look at the health of your battery. And this is kind of instructive for this entire thing. So what you're looking at here is an app called Battery Health. This was running on my old uh, MacBook Pro that is about five or six years old now. And Corey, our assistant producer here on the channel, uses that as his main computer here in the office. And uh, this computer has been around the block a few times. But uh, you can see here that after 5.8 years, I've only uh, run about 308 cycles on that battery. Uh, these batteries on the MacBook Pros are rated for 1,000 cycles from Apple. Of course, if you go beyond your warranty, you still have to buy a new battery, but that's their suggested lifespan. Uh, but take a look, though. My battery is only about 83% of the power it was when it was new. And this might be due to the fact that it is an aging battery, and, and age does play into this in addition to uh, the number of cycles that go on there. But this is the kind of information that I hope to see uh, on my iPhones moving forward because I think this can provide a lot of useful information to a consumer. And if you're, you know, your battery's at around 50% health or somewhere in that neighborhood or you're uh, getting close to that 500 cycle mark, knowing that a battery replacement will fix some problems your phone is facing, I think would uh, be a nice thing for customers to see. Now, you can also run this test on Windows. And there's a, a link that I've got here for doing that on a Windows computer. So if your computer supports this uh, Microsoft command here to check, take a look at its cycles and whatnot, uh, you can do that there. Uh, one thing I didn't check on, though, was Android uh, battery health. So if you are aware of any good battery health apps for Android, uh, let us know down in the comments below, and we'll see what, out, what else is out there for the Android side of thing. Maybe I'll show you an Android example uh, in the weeks ahead. And now it's time for some Q&A. And as I mentioned, I got a lot of great comments on my uh, 4K unboxing video. And uh, Cantankerous Dave here has a very good point about these new 4K UHD Blu-ray discs. Uh, they are not all created equal. In some cases, they are being upconverted from another resolution, many times a 2K resolution and sometimes even a 1080p resolution. And uh, Dave here pointed me at a great website that I have been looking at all week called realorfake4k.com. And I looked up two movies that I had in that box to give you as an example here. So uh, I looked up The Arrival, which was one that I bought on uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray. And uh, what you can see here is that it wasn't actually shot at 4K. It was shot digitally at 2.8K. Uh, the visual effects were rendered at 2K. And therefore, we're getting a 2K movie basically being upconverted to 4 uh, for the HDR disc. But as they point out here, uh, you will get better experiences with this disc than you would with a regular Blu-ray because uh, we are at least getting a 2K resolution versus a 1080p resolution that it's being upconverted from. And of course, we're gaining the benefit uh, of the HDR. 
I did look up another one on here, though, which was the Terminator 2 movie that I got, and I've been actually pretty pleased with the image quality. Uh, one viewer pointed out that there was a lot of noise reduction to the point that uh, Arnold's skin looks a little too smooth, and I definitely agree with that in some places. It does look like they did some additional processing on here, but what they did do with this film is they scanned it in 4K uh, from the original 35 millimeter prints here. So this is going to be a little better. Uh, film can, depending on the configuration, have better resolution, even though it's an analog medium than uh, obviously something shot in at a digital 2K, for example. So uh, there is some advantages here. But note this part right here with the visual effects. Those are rendered in 2K because... Uh, they were using, obviously, uh, some tricks with computers to uh, run these special effects back onto film, and you do lose something in that process there. And that's something you can even notice on uh, even like the 1080p version of the Star Wars remakes that are on Blu-ray. You can see like when uh, Luke ignites his lightsaber, you might see a, a quality decline there because there was some additional work being done on the film uh, beyond just what came out of the camera initially. So there are some uh, areas where visual effects in a movie might look a little different, may not look as sharp, and we're really in kind of one of these transition periods where uh, a lot of the digital movies that have been shot on digital over the years were not shot at 4K, yet our televisions and now our Blu-ray players can deliver a higher resolution than the original recording was shot at. And I think we're going to see some effects of that moving forward. And perhaps maybe some in Hollywood jumped a little too quickly on digital because you might be able to squeeze more resolution out of some film uh, than you will out of uh, one of these digital sensors. And what's been really intriguing to me is the new Star Wars series that is being shot on film, uh, whereas I believe the last movie in the prequels, The uh, Revenge of the Sith, was shot all on digital. So maybe there's some uh, thought here that perhaps film will give them a little more lifespan for uh, the impending arrival of 8K televisions in the home in the near future. And this next question from Kirk Batzer is a representative one of a few other comments I had about all of the remote controls that were on my coffee table in my home theater room uh, for my OLED television review. And uh, the reality is I'm not using most of those remotes. In fact, some of them are for devices that I've since stopped using and I never just took the remotes away. So I've got a bunch on the coffee table there. I've got a bunch more in a bin behind it. Uh, and Kirk and a few other viewers are wondering what I'm using for universal remotes. And uh, to be honest, what I'm really using now is just mostly uh, HDMI CEC controls through my television or through my receiver. Uh, and that's really been helpful, especially because I never have my controllers charged fully for the NVIDIA Shield. So uh, having the ability to control the Shield for movie watching through uh, another remote really works out pretty well. So I know a lot of people like these all you know, integrated solutions and everything. But uh, for me, uh, HDMI CEC has been okay. And to be honest with you, I've always been one of these people that likes having a specific remote for a specific device. I always like the fact that the remote was designed for that particular device and has all the buttons in the right place for me. So I've never been all that opposed to having multiple remotes and it also prevents people in my house though I don't want using the system like my kids or my wife sometimes from uh, messing up my settings. So the more intimidating it looks the less likely it is that somebody's going to screw up my home theater system. So that is maybe a little bit of a selfish thing on my part but I like to have full control. Uh, the last question here comes from David Abalo about the packaging that comes into this place from all of these different manufacturers when they send things to review. He's wondering what I do with all of it and this 
is an ongoing problem here, and I uh, really, as best I can, try to get things on loan from manufacturers, and uh, as often as I can, insist on sending it back to them so I don't have something else taking up space in this room, and that has been uh, a big thing that I have often pursued here, because you can only have so much stuff, and uh, to be honest with you, I'd rather get it out of here. Uh, so I employ a couple of things. The first is, is that I'm fortunate to have a lot of space in this house. So behind my studio is a big storage area. Uh, the people that built this house originally uh, put in a basement, essentially, underneath the front porch. It's this big concrete bunker right behind my uh, desk here. And there's a ton of space in there. I had uh, shelves built when I was doing the basement over here. So uh, that has been able to give me kind of a little warehouse to store things until they get sold or get shipped back or something. And I've been pretty good about getting things listed on my store, which you can find at lon.tv slash store so that I can resell the things that I've bought to review. Uh, what I have started doing, I just started doing this over the weekend, was I grabbed a, a bunch of random stuff that's been sitting around. I put it in a box and sold it for the cost of shipping on the, uh, on the store. So somebody grabbed that one really quick. So I'll be doing a lot of these little things here just to get more stuff out of here. I've got a big pile of stuff over there because one of the things that I did over the holiday weekend was uh, getting more things listed on the store for you all to buy. So we got a bunch of stuff out that way. So uh, there's things that I do really here to very quickly get uh, the flow going here so I don't have a lot of things laying around. I do get a lot of boxes from Amazon, obviously, and those are really helpful when I do ship things out to have something to ship them in. So I haven't had to buy a shipping box in years. Uh, so what I do is when we get a bunch of boxes in, uh, Corey will break those boxes down and we put them flat in the back there and we reassemble them when we have something else to ship out. So that's really what we've been doing here. Uh, the one thing, though, is I really like to keep boxes of items that I know I might sell down the road. So I do have a stack of boxes in the back there that uh, will allow me to package something back up in its original packaging to ship. And the one thing that I can't do that with uh, just due to the size of the boxes are the televisions. And uh, it was killing me. It took me probably about an hour to break down the box that my new OLED TV came in. And I'm killing myself for not having the box from uh, my old television that I'm looking to sell because I've got no way to easily ship it at this point. So I'm going to probably list it on my local Facebook for sale group or something just to uh, find somebody local to get it. So sometimes I keep the boxes. Other times I don't. Uh, sometimes if you don't have the box, you might just try to sell it locally or something just to get rid of it. Or uh, in many cases, what I like to do is donate things to the school locally here uh, that I'm not using either, which is something that's also helped clear the, uh, the inventory out of the studio down here. So it's one of the things you have to deal with. There is some time involved with that, but um, I worked in my family business for most of my life. And when I, when I started there as a little kid, I was doing shipping in the warehouse. So I always like to put things in boxes and ship them out. It's something really um, fulfilling about getting rid of stuff and uh, finding a new home for things for me is a lot better than throwing it out. And my Q&A for you this week is what do you do with all of your packaging? I'm sure many of you are like me. You've been buying all this junk for years, uh, and it does seem to accumulate over time. So I just love to know what you all do with it. Do you recycle things? What do you do with your old gadgets when you're done with them? Do you throw them out, or do you find somebody else to use them? So uh, let me know down in the comments below. I'm always looking for new strategies. And speaking of new strategies... Our channel of the week this week is a podcast called The Mac Power Users. And uh, don't let the Mac title here uh, uh, kind of throw you off course because there's a little more to this podcast than just the Mac. And uh, this is hosted by two uh, independent workers. They're both attorneys, David Sparks and Katie Floyd. And uh, what they do is look at workflows and apps that help them achieve those workflows. And if you're really uh, eager to always improve how you work and how you organize your tasks and everything, I found this podcast to be excellent because they're always finding stuff and methods that I wasn't thinking about. And I get 
get a lot out of this, especially now that I am also an independent worker. So uh, the Mac Power users, great podcast, definitely worth uh, taking a look at and looking at their back catalog. And if you are a Mac user, there are lots of great Mac recommendations in here, obviously. And one of the things that I like about the Mac platform is that they've got all these quirky little apps that really do make life a little easier. And they talk about a lot of those on the podcast. They also have a great Facebook group for you to uh, compare notes with other Mac users. So this week on the channel, we've got a couple of things planned. I am still eager to get this Amplify thing tested. I uh, just needed some time to uh, take this little device over to a Starbucks and try the whole uh, remote VPN thing that I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. I think I'm caught up to a point where I can maybe uh, start testing this one tomorrow. So I got to get my hair cut for uh, CES and I'm going to shoot over to Starbucks after that, maybe grab some lunch over there and uh, see how this little VPN hardware thing works with their router. So stay tuned. That's coming up pretty soon. We're also going to have a review of this Lenovo All-in-One. This has been shot, edited, and uploaded, actually. So this is going up uh, probably tomorrow night or Wednesday night. So be on the lookout for that one if you're into All-in-Ones. And then I got a new sponsorship from Kensington on their uh, docking products. I'm going to be doing a series of videos about how to choose the right dock for your computer. And like most of my sponsored content, there is relevance here beyond just Kensington products. I'm going to talk about uh, which docks are best suited for uh, different types of computers. In the first video, we do kind of an overview of uh, all the different types of docks that are out there and kind of matching up the right dock for what your computer might have on board. And what's been funny about Kensington is they've been making these peripherals and mice and keyboards and everything for a long time. Uh, This is a mouse that I bought probably almost definitely 25 years ago, if not uh, longer. And I bought this for my Apple IIgs. It's an ADB trackball here. It still works great. In fact, I use it with my retro Macs every once in a while. Uh, They've been around for a while, a company that I've been a customer of for some time. And uh, when they uh, approached me about this project, I thought it'd be kind of fun because docking stations and the complexity of USB-C versus Thunderbolt, all that stuff we're going to cover in this series. So stay tuned. A lot to come on that one. And I am still working on my retro review. Usually I like to shoot these around Christmas time, but uh, this one's taking a little bit longer. I'm going to be taking a look at the Newton on the wall back there. And I had a major breakthrough on my Newton uh, research the other day because I was uh, mentioning about a week or two ago that I didn't have an easy way to get data transferred back and forth to the Newton. I'm still struggling a little bit with that. But uh, what I found was a backup file that was on a floppy disk from 1994, uh, 24 years ago now. And uh, I was, you know, I, I knew it was there, but I hadn't really been able to access the data. And then uh, the other night, I just had some time. So, you know, I'm going to try to figure this out. So I got a Mac emulator. I was able to uh, go out and find the original software that my Newton had come with. I installed it on that emulator. And what do you know, I was able to load up this backup file and, and basically see everything that I had on the Newton, including drawings from uh, my freshman year of college and my senior year of high school. Uh, so I'll share that with you when I finally get into this review. But my next task is going to try to restore that original data uh, onto this Newton. I'm not sure it's going to work because I think this Newton might be running with the newer operating system. But uh, whatever it is, I'm going to try to figure it all out. And then when I get that uh, to a point where I can show you exactly how I use it, I think we'll be ready to uh, do that retro review. So stay tuned. We'll get that retro review done at some point in the near future. And of course, I'm heading off to CES on Sunday. So we'll see exactly how much stuff I get done this week from what I just listed there. But I have a good feeling I should be able to get a good chunk of it 
accomplished, if not a few other things as well. And again, I'm really looking forward to CES and reconnecting with everybody. Uh, Silicon Dust, the makers of the HD Home Run, will be sponsoring us once again. So I want to thank them for that. So we'll have an interview with them and uh, catch up on everything related to their, uh, their hardware and their software products. So if you have questions for them, uh, do leave those down in the comment stream so we can ask those questions of them when we're there. Now, if you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to my donor box page at lon.tv support and make a monthly contribution to the channel. I am still supporting Patreon subscriptions too, and people have been uh, doing those over the last couple of weeks, but this donor box thing is my new preferred platform just because there's less uh, fees involved with it and I have a little more control over it. Uh, we also have our ongoing program with Plex, where if you sign up for a free Plex account, no subscription or credit card required, uh, we will get a small commission. You can also gift a Plex Pass subscription to someone else at that link, and we'll get a commission from that as well. We have a bunch of other channels that you might want to take a look at my extras channel where I do unboxings and supplementary content. Uh, We have the podcast channel, which I am hopefully going to do a little bit more with. I'm really thinking about uh, my posting schedule here on YouTube and maybe uh, posting maybe one or two videos less per week on uh, the YouTube channel and then focusing a little more on uh, getting this podcast off the ground and also getting the live streams off the ground because I can't seem to get to a week where I'm not trying to get another video posted. And I think if I dial back the posting schedule, that will hopefully give me a little more time for live streams and uh, developing a standalone audio podcast, which will give me some additional content options and allow me to take some deeper dives into things. I know a lot of you now have been downloading this show as an audio version, and I've been seeing some real growth there. So I think there might be some interest in a uh, long-form topic where maybe I bring in some guests and experts and we talk about this stuff in a way that is better suited for a commute or uh, something versus a uh, 30-minute sit-down and watch kind of experience. I'm thinking about that for uh, 2018. We have the Snippets channel at lon.tv slash snippets. And of course, the live stream archive is at lon.tv slash live streams. If you want to get notified anytime I do something on the YouTube platform, you can click on that notification bell and you'll get emails and um, push notifications and whatever else whenever I post or do anything. So look out for that. And we also, of course, have ways to engage with the channel. Our email list is at lon.tv slash email. I very infrequently email on that list and uh, you won't get too much from me there, just important stuff. We have the Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook, which I do post on quite a bit, and the store that I mentioned earlier at lon.tv slash store. And every time I add or change something on the store, I send an email out to all of you to let you know about it. So if you sign up for that email list right there, uh, that will take you into getting onto that list for store notifications when they happen. So that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Hope you all had a great new year. We've got a bunch of stuff planned for this week. And of course, CES is coming up next week. Uh, Let me know if there are any companies you want me to try to track down while I'm out there. And I'm happy to give it a shot. This is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters, the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.